Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's Word and His vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. We're going to get started. This is week two called, uh, uh, we started a, a sermon series on Nehemiah. One of my favorite books, because I think Nehemiah, um, if you really study Nehemiah in the journey, you can see an ordinary person doing some extraordinary things. And I believe that is supposed to speak to each and every single one of us going, hey, you know what? I'm an ordinary person who can do some extraordinary things. Last week, one of the things that we said was this, um, me plus God equals extraordinary. You guys remember that? Let's say it again real quick. Me plus God equals what? All right, we're doing good. Today, we're going to take it a little deeper. All right, we're going to go to chapter 2 of, uh, of Nehemiah. And what we want to do today is I want to help you um, kind of uh, pave and, and understand what it is that God wants you to do. As we pray through this, as we go through this, I, I pray that God has already been speaking to you so that you can realize that the passions and the burdens that you have is God speaking to you and what it is that he has for you down the road. I believe that even right now, God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Okay, and so the burden that you bear often reveals the calling that, that you're going to embrace. And the thing that tends to upset you will often drive you or compel you into a ministry to make a difference uh, in, in the lives of somebody else. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I realized in the Bible, and I hope that everybody realized this, is that our lives are not our own. When you read the Bible, you start to realize that my life is not mine. When I give it to the Lord, when I receive Jesus, I am giving him my life to do as he wills. So my life now is not my own. It's been bought. It's been purchased. Um, and as we study this, we start to realize that my life is, is going to be used to bless somebody else, to connect with other people. We're not meant to do this thing alone. We are meant to do this thing with other people connected. We have to do this uh, as a family, as a, a people gathering inside the kingdom. What I know is this, that you really, most of us don't ever realize when we're right on the edge of greatness. We don't. Some of us get right to the edge and we don't realize that we're about to tip right off this, this, this edge and God has something for you that is going to be amazing. He's got something really special. And you rarely know when you're on the front, front end of making uh, a significant difference in somebody's lives. Today, I hope that you're bothered by something. I hope that you're stirred. This year has given us an opportunity to be really stirred hasn't it? To really, I mean, if you, if you ever turn on the news, some of the things that you get, it, it gets that fire just kind of burning inside. You sit and you stew and you ever wonder why? I believe that God is probably, for the most part, speaking to us on things that he wants us to do. You ever said this, man, somebody needs to fix that. Somebody needs to do that. 
In my house, I always go, man, somebody needs to do the dishes. And now I start to realize that somebody is probably me, and now I'm on videotape being recorded saying that it's probably me, but it's not. It's me. I need to tell somebody to do the dishes. That's what it means. I had to pray about it, sift through it, and understand. He wasn't telling me to do the dishes. He was telling my uh, teenagers to do the dishes. (laughs) I posted something on Facebook, and I started to see responses of people uh, who are considering doing something uh, about some of the, the, the passions that they have inside, some of the things they got burning deep inside. Maybe you're sitting here and you're in the early stages of starting something. You're like, man, you know what? I, I want to I wanna do this. There's things in my life that I want to do, and there's things that get in the way. You ever notice that? Anybody got a real big passion, and you realize that as you, do, as you go towards it, there are things that kind of get in the way. I want to write a book. I want to write a book on lots of different topics. I, I, got, I want to write a book about this, 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 and this. And somehow, every time I get to the computer, something else pops up. Today, the title of this message is called, You Can Make a Difference. Look at your neighbor and say, you can make a difference. Let's get into this Bible study real quick. Nehemiah, okay? Um, give you a little context of uh, what's going on. Uh, in case you weren't here last week, uh, go back to the year 587 BC, okay? And King Nebuchadnezzar, if you guys remember, I, when I was in children's church, I told you guys that that's a long name for kids, so we always called him King Nebi, okay? And, uh, and so King Nebi, who was, uh, he was an evil, evil guy, right? He led the Babylonian people uh, and attacked Jerusalem, These people completely destroyed the city, the lifestyle, the culture, the values, the morals, the the everything. The temple was destroyed and the Babylonians took the Jewish people into captivity. They crushed their spirits and they demoralized them beyond any hope whatsoever. If you fast forward decades decades later, um, some of the Jewish people were finally released out of captivity to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their homeland, okay? And, and if you can imagine this, that you're going back into this, this demolished city, there's no economic structure, no jobs, there's no systems, no government, no leadership, there's no direction, and most of all, there's no hope. And this is where they're being placed. They hit a dead end, and they, they couldn't get anything going at all. 140 years after this destruction, an ordinary, everyday guy named Nehemiah. Last week, we learned that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. A cupbearer is basically a servant, somebody that stands in the gap between something bad happening to the, the king, because at that time, the way to get somebody off the throne was to kill that person. And so they would try to poison them. They would try to do all of these things, and, and he was in that position. He would kind of sip it. If he didn't die, it was good to drink. He would eat it. If he didn't die, it was good to eat. But he was also in a position that he could hear all of the conversations, all of the critical things. He was a trusted individual. He was there in those crucial times when the king was talking about people. Hey, I don't like him. Hey, we're going to attack this city here. Hey, let's set up this structure here. He had all the insider information. He was a normal guy. He wasn't a pastor, Uh, he wasn't a priest, 
He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a contractor, okay, because he's famous for building a wall, right? He wasn't a contractor. Uh, he wasn't even uh, verified on, on Twitter. He didn't have the little check mark. I mean, he had no followers, okay? And, and so this guy was just getting going. He was an ordinary servant, a cupbearer to a king. And in other words, this guy, he didn't have any formal or uh, appointed position. See, a lot of us, we wait for a position to open up before we start doing something. This guy didn't do that. He, he, he went forward without any of this formal appointed position or title. All he had was a God-ordained passion that burned deep inside of him. See, I don't know who this is going to speak to, but there are some of you that are listening, even online, I know a lot of people are traveling right now. I know they're trying to get to the fireworks. People are going to the beach. It's 90 degrees out there. But I, I, I wanted to make sure that we speak this message and we speak it clear because I believe that God has and wants to move you from just having this passion to actually making a difference, to having this this thing burning inside of you saying, hey, you know what? Somebody needs to do something about this too. Hey, I'm going to do something about this too. I'm doing something about this. There's stages to this game. There's levels. Like I said, if you were with us last week, you saw Nehemiah's heart was broken. First thing he did was he sat down to cry. He wept and he mourned and he fasted uh, for quite some time. Then he knelt down to pray. Twelve different times it's recorded in the book of Nehemiah. We see him uh, petitioning to God for his people, for this passion that was burning inside. And then finally, he stood up to act. He stood up and he did something. And he said, somebody's got to do something about this. It might as well be me. So how do you do the work? How do you make a difference? I want to give you uh, four thoughts, and then I'm going to give you a sub-thought, too, something that's not on your paper that I think will help you. And I hope that this, I, I know a lot of people got the day off tomorrow. I hope that you can meditate on this. I hope that it can actually drive you to actually start doing something or help you realize why you're not actually doing what it is that you want to do. So four thoughts today, and then we're going to get in, we're going to get out, let you guys get out there, start cooking out, grilling, enjoying that 90 degrees. First thought is this. We need to seek God faithfully, and this is, this is not rocket science. This is not brain science or brain surgery. It's, not, it's none of that. It's, it's very simple and basic. See, a lot of times we need to strip away the noise, and we need to get back to the basics of what it is that we got to do. Because the noise is, is actually distracting you and killing your passion and your purpose. The first thing we got to do is we got to get back to seeking God faithfully. Again and again and again, we'll see Nehemiah going before God, praying and praying and praying. In fact, let me give you a, a timeline so you'll, you'll understand this. If you read in the text, you're going to see... Uh, that Nehemiah heard the news about his people in the month of uh, Kislev. Now, when, when in the world is Kislev, right? I mean, that's what I asked. Well, I found out it's sometime between November and December. 
our time. And he starts praying, and he prays until the month of Nisan. I have a lot of dad jokes based off of that, and I'm going to hold them. I'm going to keep them right here, okay? He prays to the month of Nisan. This is four months from Kislev. Four months he is praying before he did anything. Four months. See, a lot of us, we think that, okay, I get this passion, and, and I, now I've got to just jump up and start acting. And I've got to start doing. And we forget the plan, we forget to organize, we forget to do all these things, and we wonder why everything starts to kind of topple. Well, he sat there for four months praying. Now, I will say this, this is a sidebar, that some of us need to move from praying to action, okay? And, and, and sometimes, man, you, you can't just sit there and pray through it. If you're going to pray, you need to open up your ears and start listening to God, because that's what Nehemiah did. He heard when it was time to go. He heard when it was time to act, and he was obedient to that. When you sit down and pray, make sure that you are earnestly seeking God. Why is he doing this? Well, he's asking God to lead his steps, and it's impossible to describe how tricky it would be for a cupbearer to approach the king with a request. This is what he was tasked to do. That's a tricky thing, because you're talking about a king who says, oh, hold up, what are you asking? You're asking me something just for speaking? Man, he'd probably be beheaded. I mean, that's, that's kind of, it was a, when you talk about a cutthroat job, that was literal. So, this guy, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says this, In the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King uh, Artaxerxes, when wine was uh, before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is his face sad seeing you are not sick? Why is your face sad? You're not sick, obviously, right? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed. So I prayed to the God of heaven. He's saying, God, give me wisdom. Direct my steps. Show me what to do. God, show me what to say. And there, in the presence of the king, the king says, what do you want? And he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. I hope you remember um, about prayer that there is, there is nothing too big for God in prayer. There's nothing too big for God's power, and there's nothing too small for God's heart. I hope you remember that. When you go to God in prayer, it, it, when I read the book, the book says this. The Bible says to me, pray without cease, ceasing. Pray continuously. Continually be in prayer. You see that lifestyle in, in Nehemiah, okay? You see that acted out in, in what he's doing. He cares about all 
of these things. God wants to know what's going on inside of you. He wants to know what burdens you. When something hurts, you take it to God. You take it to God. You seek God faithfully. You seek God first. There's nothing too small for his heart. So you start by seeking God faithfully. God, I need you. God, direct me. God, guide me. God, search me. Search me. Lord, I want to know if my motives are correct. I want to know if this thing is really real. Is this something that I need to deal with? For four months, Nehemiah faithfully sought after God. And I want to tell you something, about, uh, something here. Some of you have a heart for something. Most of you are burdened right now, sitting here. All weekend, something happened to you and you've been burdened with something. You have a vision for something. If, you, if, if prayer isn't necessary for you to accomplish your vision, then you know what? Your vision is not big enough. Understand that. Your dreams are not big enough if you're not burdened to pray to God for him to actually accomplish these things. If you're not afraid, if you're not looking at it and going, man, this is too big for me. When I was in Africa, I say this all the time, somebody came up to me and said, hey, brother, how'd you sleep? I said, I slept pretty good. You know, lions roaring in the background and stuff. It was kind of different. I don't have that in my neighborhood, but it's all good, you know? And he goes, well, did you dream? And I was like, whoa, hold up, man. What are you talking about? I was like, is this going somewhere I don't know? Because sometimes things go somewhere, you know, in conversations. So I was trying to suss this out. And he goes, he goes, no, no, did you dream? I said, yeah, I guess so. He goes, well, here's the thing. If, if, if your dream wasn't big enough, then you need to go back to sleep. And that, that hit me. Because you know what he was saying? He was saying this. He goes, you know what? If you're not dreaming big enough, then you need to get back on your knees and you need to continue to pray. Until God gives you that burden and that passion that is so big that you know you can't accomplish it. You know, one of my dreams is, is I, uh, I want to raise my kids. Shortly after I started having kids, I realized that this task was too big for me. This task was too big for me. Matter of fact, the task of being a father is too big for any father. The task of being a mother is too big for any mother. You have dreams for your kids. You have things that you want them to do. So you better be on your knees. You better be driven to God to be praying through all of their situations and their changing. You need to do that. You are shaping a human life. Think about that. You are shaping the course of their life. You have been entrusted with God's treasure. That is too big for you to handle. That right there needs to be on your priority list. If you're a parent, you need to go to God. You need to go to God. And if your dream for your kids aren't big enough, then you need to go back to sleep. If your dream for your life isn't big enough, then you need to go back to sleep. I'm telling you, a lot of us are settling into some, some good things, and we're missing out on all the great things that God has for us. So how do you do the work? How do you make a difference? Well, I think you got to do this. Second thought is this. You need to define the vision clearly. It has to be clear. See, you seek God first. You seek God faithfully. The second thing is this. You need to define a clear vision. Define it. 
I hope you understand for most people, it's not a lack of, of caring that, that's your problem, okay? It's not. I, I believe that everybody here cares. I take you at face value. You tell me you care, I believe you care. I believe all those people that are online right now, I believe you care. And that's not your problem. It's not defining it specifically what it is. It's, it's what you're called to do. I want to show you this. I want you to uh, watch the crystal clear clarity of an ordinary man with a vision from God and what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4. It says this, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That's a clear vision. We know exactly what his intent is, right? We know exactly what he wants to do. Let me tell you what Nehemiah did not do. For most of us, for most of you, it's not caring that's your problem. It's a lack of clarity that is your problem. Maybe you care too much and you got too much stuff sticking to you. What is it that God really wants you to do? How is he going to sift through all that noise? Well, you need to sit down a little bit longer and ask him for a clear vision. What is my path? Define this vision in me, Lord. What do you want me to do? What is God calling you to do? Some of you are going to say, you know what? I, I want to help kids. I've seen that. A lot of people are burdened with that. I see a lot of things about foster care. Um, I see a lot of things about uh, adoption, things like that. They want to help these kids. So which ones? Is it the foster care? Is it the adoption agency? Is it the ones in the hospital? Which kids? We need to start asking the questions to actually start paring it down to narrow the vision. Am I doing the ones that need basic needs? Am I helping the kids that, that need to read? Those that have been abused? Those that don't have homes? Where? In my city? In that city? Downtown? Which place? Is it in my state? Is it even in my nation? See, all these questions start to go, man, okay, now maybe, maybe I need to sit down a little bit longer and clarify the vision. What is it very specifically that God is calling you to do? If you can't define it, you can't do it. If you can't speak it, it ain't gonna happen. You understand that? I tell people all the time, if you can't write it down, it ain't gonna happen. All these kids, they're graduating from high school and college and they got all these things they wanna do, okay? And I tell them, I said, write it down. Write it down, because if you don't write it down, you, are, you will miss the mark. If you don't define what the bullseye is, then you're going to think you hit the bullseye. And in fact, you didn't even hit the board. Bottom line is this. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If God is calling you to do it, then define it clearly. He's not holding back the information. The problem is we're not listening. We're not listening. We're not doing the time on our knees actually praying. If you can't pare it down into a sentence, then you're not ready. If you can't clarify it in an elevator to somebody, then you're not ready. 
If you can't talk to somebody just randomly off the street and tell them what it is that your goal is and you're all over the map and it takes you an hour and a half to do it, you're not ready. You're not ready. Get back on your knees. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. See, we we get all that twisted. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. You're just not ready. There's a difference. The fact that you're sitting here, the fact that you're listening says you're worthy. The fact that you have breath in your lungs says that you're worthy. So get that out of your mind. Throw that away and start getting ready. Stop getting the two twisted. What is it that I need to do? Maybe some of you, it's just leading your family to be completely debt-free. You can define that, but now you got to start to clarify it. What does that actually mean? Does that mean student loans paid off, house paid off, car paid off, computer paid off? credit cards paid off what does that mean start to define it hey then what when 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 am I going to do this when you die (laughs) because magically when you die all your debt (laughs) you don't have it anymore so technically you're debt free but your whole family isn't right so when what's the timeline is it a five-year timeline because once you start attaching things to it then you can start working backwards and go okay this is what I got to do to actually get there This is what I actually got to do. I got to start saving $100 extra every single week, putting it away, putting it on this credit card. We talked about this before. Maybe I start with the biggest bill or the smallest bill. Which one are you going to start with? Let's start with the smallest and start the snowball effect, right? And start toppling that money into other places. Take it from this bucket to this bucket. This bucket cleared off, take it to this bucket. This is called clarifying your vision. Because for many of you, the things that we present on this stage, your heart gets broken and you want to give. Every single missionary you want to give to, every single one of them. We support, what, 70, 76 missionaries. And every single one of them you want to give to. And when they come in here and they tell you the story, you're all about it. But the problem is you did not do what God called you to do, which was maybe pay off all your debt. So now you're stuck in this step trying to do this. Well, I want to give and donate to this foundation here, but you can't. You can't. We need to be free to do what it is that God is calling us to do. And a lot of us, we just need to sit down and clarify our vision. What is God leading you to do? In a sentence, can you say it? Can you write it? What is God calling you to do? How do you do the work? How do you make a difference? Well, you seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. And then number three is this. Make plans carefully. You got a plan. You got a plan. Make your plans carefully. The problem is a goal with, uh, without a plan is just a wish. That's all it is. And a lot of people, they think they got plans and they think they're communicating plans, but they're communicating wishes. I don't know about you, but my God is not a genie and you don't just rub him and he goes, what do you wish for? No, he's a God of order. He's asking you to put in the work, to plan. He, he, you wanna know he's a God of order? How do you know? Well, we live in a solar system. A week has how many days, people? Seven. 
right? It never has eight and it never has six. It's not sometimes eight and then other times three. That's not how it works. He's a God of order. And so he has seven days. How many days in a year? 365. How many hours? Look at this, man. God is a God of order. And he's asking you to make a plan. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Some of you, you're just wishing. And he wants you to make a plan. I'm going to tell you right now, if you make a plan, you honor God. If you make a plan, you honor God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is get organized. I'm in the process right now. I keep looking at our house. We have uh, five, five kids, teenagers, and a four-year-old. Just with the four-year-old, the house gets cluttered. Just with the four-year-old, the house gets destroyed. Just with the four-year-old, I have too much stuff in my house. And a lot of us, we think, well, I got to get a bigger house. No, I got to get organized is what I got to get, right? And sometimes to get organized, I got to declutter. And I'm in the process of decluttering. I told my wife, and I don't know if I can do this, but I told her because I, I get sentimental about things, right? I said, if I ain't touched something in 30 days, I'm throwing it away. She was like, well, that's, that's bold. That's, that's real bold. It ain't happened yet, but I'm thinking about it. I'm telling you because I'm, I'm t- <laughs> we got to get there. Got to get there. Look at verse 6. It says this. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, you know it's good when they start sitting together, right? Because sometimes she's actually the one who's going to give the answer and get it done. And so they're sitting together. And so the king says, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Hmm. Notice he didn't say, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Uh, I haven't really thought about that yet. That's a good question, king. <laughs> I just completely wasted your time by coming here and asking for this, and I have no information to give you. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I have nothing. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He was specific with the king, and he set a time. Now watch him. Uh, He said, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, may I have, and watch this specific request, may I have letters to the governors of uh, trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. In other words, will you give me some protection, please? Some letters to those who are in charge, then, and, and may I have a letter to Asaf, right? Keeper of the royal park. So he'll give me timber to make uh, the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temples and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. What does he do? He asks for protection and he asks for provision. He is very, very clear. I need protection to travel, and I need provision to build. Then he says, and because the gracious hand of, of, uh, uh, of my God was on me, the king granted my request. What did he do? He sought God. He was led by the Spirit of God. 
God was directing his uh, words and directing his steps, he was incredibly clear on what he was going to do. He created a plan and said, this is how I'm going to accomplish it. He created a plan and said, man, this is how I'm going to do it. Hmm. You may say, you know what, I can create a plan, but I don't really know how to have a perfect plan. Hmm. You know, here's the thing. We are imperfect people. That's just what we are. Lives are chaotic. Your life is a mess. It is messy. We are human beings and human beings are messy. We are not perfect. So you cannot have a perfect plan. But what you can do is have a plan. I tell my kids this. They say, well, I don't know if this plan will work. I said, well, this is what you got to do. I'm going to tell you the key to life. Make a plan. Work the plan. And when the plan breaks down, rework the plan and work it. That's all you got to do. Keep it. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. That's what you do. You make a plan. You work the plan. Well, where do I start? (laughs) That's a good question. Where do I start? Rule of thumb. Couple things. One, always do the right thing. The right thing starts today, not in the future. The right thing is now. Okay, so that that that'll help you guide your steps as you go. And then the other thing is this: I was reading a um, a book, and uh, and for a pastor, I get a lot of books and a lot of book requests. So I'm going to tell you how I cheat. Okay, all right. There's a program called Blink. Okay, and this program gives you synopsis of a book, kind of cliff notes in the old school, right? But in a new age, it's all audible. Okay, and, and so I read all these books, and if something catches me, then I grab the book, and then I read the whole thing. Okay, and so it helps me kind of sift through what it is that I need to get through. Okay, and so I was, I was doing this, and one of these things grabbed me, and it was a quote from, uh, it was a section from Warren Buffett. And this is what Warren Buffett said. He was saying, you know what, a lot of emotionally intelligent people don't accomplish their goals. And then he said, Why? He said, this is what you got to do. He goes, if, if you have all these passions and all these things, all these great, what you would say are good things, right? Make a list of your top 25 priorities. And this is important. If you take nothing else away from this week, take this. Make a list of your top 25 things, okay, that you want to do. Prioritize them. And then take your top five things, circle them. Because those are the things that you probably are not accomplishing, but you need to accomplish the most. Right? Can we agree on that? All right? And then what you need to do is the bottom 20 things, you need to figure out how to get rid of them. Because those are the things that are keeping you from doing the top five things. It it completely blew my mind. He said, this is what you got to do. You got to delegate them. You got to get them off your plate. And you've started to break it down, and I could preach on this all uh, for a whole series, but this is just the, 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 the simple version. Take your top 25 things, circle the top five things, make those your priority, spend your time on those things, spend 80% of your time on that instead of 80% of your time on the bottom 20, and figure out how to get rid of the bottom 20, because the bottom 20, those things are good. You care about those things. Those things stick to you. Those things sting your heart a little bit. But those top five things, those are the ones that are world changers. 
Those are the ones that are going to help you make the biggest difference in this world. Those are the ones that we would call callings. Those are the ones that you're missing out on. And so you need to trim, as we would say, trim the fat away, right? Get rid of it. Delegate it. Because the bottom line is those bottom 20s, they're probably somebody else's top priority. But you have to help them get organized too. And if we all do this and work together as a family, then you'll start to realize that God really does have a plan for your life, that God does really have a plan for, for, for your life, and these two plans actually work together. They can come together like a puzzle piece. The plan doesn't have to be perfect. It never is. Plan and do the next right thing. And trim the fat away from, from the things that, that, that aren't really your top five priorities in life. What's your plan? For looking how, how do we rebuild these walls and how do we get the Bible out there and all these different things. And man, it becomes overwhelming. But then I start to go, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? I got all these great things in a church that we can do. And I get presented with ideas all the time. And I've got to be able to sift through this. And this is the process that we're in. We're sifting through this and going, okay, Lord, what is the top five things that you want us to accomplish as a church? And then help us to trim the other things. Because I'm telling you, there are other churches that probably do a lot better than we do. These bottom 20 things. So give them the help they need to accomplish their top five. We can do this together. Success isn't the accomplishment in the future. Success is doing the right thing right now. That's success. Faithfulness by faithfulness. In fact, to me, success is not in achieving some accomplishment out there uh, way beyond. Success is being faithful to do the right thing today. That's the hard thing, people. Making the right choice today. You want to start a, a ministry? Well, do the right thing. Do the next right thing. Have a meeting with somebody else who is doing what you want to be doing. Take a tour. Come with uh, questions. Don't you dare do all the talking. We get sucked into this idea that we've got to come with all the answers. No. Be open to answers. And sometimes in those important moments, find a mentor. Get a class online. There's so much information. We live in the greatest time we have ever had as a people. Take advantage of it. It's all out there at your fingertips, but you need to sift through the noise. You need to sift through the noise. Plan. Work the plan, and if it breaks, plan, and then work that plan. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> you got young people, young people online, you know? You want to date. You want to find a mate. I get it. I, people come to me, and they say, how do you, how do you find a date? I said, I don't know, man. I, I haven't dated since high school. And I only did that a couple times. And I married her. You're past high school. I don't know how we do it now. I said, well, you know, nowadays, maybe start with taking a bath. 
Buy a shirt with colors on it. Uh, sell your PlayStation. Go to Target. Target's where the girls go to find the things they, they don't need, right? <laughs> we can do this. And the final, final thing is this, and I'm going to let you guys out of here, okay? Is this, is when you start to do these things, you begin to inspire other people. You begin to inspire them. People begin to be drawn to you. It inspires people passionately. I'm telling you that, that when you start to find your purpose and you start to focus on those top five things, people start to stick to you naturally. They want to be drawn to something that's greater than them, and you already have it. You already have it, this plan, this thing that's bigger than you, this dream that is so big that, man, you can't, you're excited about it, so you get to share it. You share it in one sentence. Why? Because you've defined your vision. It's clear. And when you start to speak about it, people start to stick to you. And you start to get the people that can help you, the building blocks. You inspire people passionately. You know, that's a great thing, isn't it? I want to warn you of what's coming in the next uh, week, because next week is challenging. We're going to, what we're going to see is a lot of opposition coming our way. See, when you start to do the right things, when you start to actually operate in the path that God has for you, when you start on this journey, opposition is going to come to you. The devil doesn't want you to do it, right? And people are like, I know a lot of, do you guys understand this? Like a lot of Christians don't believe the devil is real. And they asked me, and they said, do you believe the devil is real? I said, well, I believe Jesus is real. And Jesus says the devil is real. Therefore, I got no argument. So, quite simple, right? And if you do more studying, you start to realize that the devil is real, and he wants to cut off your path. He wants to distract you. You see, the devil ain't like the movies with the horns and the tail and the little pitchfork trying to stab you and, and, and hurt you physically like that. No, he just, all, all he wants to do is just knock you off your path. And you know what the devil does a lot of times? He takes those bottom 20 things and he starts presenting them right at the time when you're about to go write that book. And you say, well, that's a good thing. I got to get, I'm doing good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you're not doing great stuff. And when you start to inspire people passionately, that's when it starts to really worry the enemy. Because that's when the world starts to shift. That's when that pebble that you throw in the, in the lake starts to widen and go bigger and bigger and bigger. And what that means is this, that more people start to stick to you. More people start to come around you. You start to build something, a legacy. A legacy, something bigger than you, something that can't be stopped, even if you're not in it. That's what Nehemiah did. That's what he does. And he says to them, you know, when uh, he says, all things are possible with God. And watch what Nehemiah does. He says to them, he acknowledges that things aren't good. And he says in verse 17 through 18, then I say to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. In verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. 
He said, do you see the trouble we're in? Yeah, that's, that's real. That's him telling the truth. That, yeah, there's a lot of trouble around. There's, there's things happening. If you start to read chapter 2, there's things happening. We're not going to sweep it under the rug. We're not going to pretend that it's hidden, that it's not happening. No, we're going to attack it head on. Because I've got this thing called momentum, and it's rolling, baby. It's going. I've got this thing called a vision, and, and it's clear. And there's nothing that can stop it. And it starts to inspire people. People start to stick to it. And man, this thing, this thing, yeah, the world may be on fire, but I got the solution is what he's saying. My city may be burning, but I got the solution. My city may be in disgrace, but I got the solution. And I got the God, I've got the hand of God upon me and the spirit of God leading me. And you can see that it's going somewhere. And people want to get on that train. They want to get on that train. I put a quote on your paper, and it's from John Wesley, and he said this. He said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Think about that. Somebody here is trying to play with a, a little bit of gasoline, right? Well, not real gasoline, but, you know, it's 4th of July. And they want to they let that fire burn. And you want to inspire people because here's the thing, inspired people have faith that God is for them, that God is with them. God empowering them to do something that matters, something that makes a difference. You invite them, you love them, you let some crazy people show them the unconditional love of Jesus who has changed us all forever. You get them into the presence of God. You bring them back next weekend and the weekend after that and the weekend after that. And you watch how God's spirit does something that we don't have the power to do in ourselves. And for any of you who think someone's too far from the reach of God, there's no person that God's spirit cannot touch and bring them in a moment, into his love and his grace. This covering, this warmth. So what you care about is not an accident. What you have a burden for is not just some happenstance. I believe God is working. God knew what he was doing when he made you. Do you understand that? You're not an accident. I get told all the time, yeah, growing up, man, my mom had me when she was 14, my dad was 15, my dad spent most of his time in prison when I was growing up. I'm telling you that I was not an accident. I was not an oops. There is no such thing as an oops in the sight of our, our, our Lord. He had a plan. He had a plan, and he is conducting and operating that plan through me. And I pray that he's doing the same in you. The burden you bear often reveals the difference that you will make. See, I come from a broken home. I come from a broken neighborhood. I come from a broken people. And that's my burden, is to help, even inspire them, to show them that they don't have to settle for what hand they've been dealt. 
See, we always get told this, that, hey, you've been dealt that hand in life. You just got to play it the best you can. No, no, you know what? I, I know that when I put my knee down and I give my heart to the Lord, that I throw that hand out and I receive a new one. I receive a new one. I used to play with all deuces, but now I play with all aces because I got the hand of the Lord upon me. Do you believe that when you walk around? Do you believe that when that passion begins to burn inside, when that burden starts to hurt? Do we get on our knees and do we pray? What do you care about? Let it break your heart to the point where you can't just keep it to yourself. Maybe you don't even know how to plan. Just start talking to somebody. Start talking to somebody. Start sifting through this. I'm telling you, God is going to ordain some God-ordained appointments in your life. And all you got to do is begin a conversation. And these conversations will start to lead to bigger and better things in your life. What do you care about? Every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us is imperfect. Every single one of us is ordinary, right? There's no kings or queens in here. Nobody's been knighted, right? There's no billionaires in here, I don't think. If you are, come and talk to me afterwards. I got some plans, okay? Got some questions, (laughs) really what I got. So congratulations. That means you're the perfect type of person that God loves to use. You. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. So how do you make a difference? How do you do the good work? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully. You inspire people passionately. Part of that is taking your top 25 things, your priorities, circle the top five, cut the rest away. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want you to sit and meditate on this for a second before you walk out. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would speak to our hearts. I pray today, God, that this world, this world would be inspired by somebody in this room. That you would touch somebody in this place, that you would touch somebody online right now, God. But that you wouldn't just inspire them, Lord, but that you would equip them to do the work that you have burdened on their hearts that you would help them to make a plan that you would help them to organize Father that you would supply the people that they need in their lives to speak direction speak clarity to be building steps building blocks to that great thing that you have for each and every single one of us Lord Father Lord as As we do this, as we begin to build something that is bigger than us on today, this Independence Day, Lord, this is a day of freedom. 
With freedom comes a lot of stuff. Comes a lot of choices. Comes a lot of noise and clutter. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us sift through the clutter. Sift through the noise. Help us get rid of the good and hold on to the great. Father, for that person out there who maybe doesn't even know the Lord, I pray right now, Father, that you would open their hearts, that you would speak to them. And Father, as I say this prayer, as I say this prayer, Lord, I pray that they would make it their own. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I need you. So I come and I ask for your forgiveness. And with that, Lord, I ask that you would receive my life, my heart as an offering. That you would take it, take this life, take this ordinary life, and that you would make it extraordinary. Father, that you would help me clarify my vision that you would help me have a passion. Maybe we're speaking to fathers out there, that you would help them to be a better father. Maybe we're speaking to mothers out there, that you would help them to be a better mother. Grandparents, help them be better grandparents. Kids, help them to clarify the vision of their future. Make it clear. Order our steps. That's what we mean when we say things like that. Father, I give you this life to do what it is that you will. Because I know, I know that you have something good, something great in store. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.